right. Here we go on the Sunday morning before Thanksgiving in Las Vegas. I'm Brian Feldman, and this is Out of Line. We're here live every Sunday morning at 8 on Fox Sports Radio, 98.9 FM and 1340 AM flagship of the Vegas Golden Knights and sister station of Raiders Nation Radio. Me and social media director Spencer The Wiz Ostrowski. Yes, we're coming to you live from Spencer's studio, also known as The Wiz Den, and also part of the show, producing back in the Lotus Broadcasting Building in the Fox Sports Residential Bank Corp studio is Chris Magnum Chackman. Mags also serves as the locker room reporter for Vegas Golden Knights Radio Network and uh, the pre-pregame show host of uh, the UNLV Rebels football on our other sister station, ESPN Radio Las Vegas. Out of line, uh, the show is also streaming on the LV Sports Network, and you can watch the show on Facebook Live and YouTube. The page is called Out of Line. That's O-U-T-T-A-L-I-N-E. Follow the show on Instagram and Twitter at Out of Line Fox LV. And since we are live, your calls and questions are welcome. The Fox Sports Residential Bank Corp studio line is 702-876-1340. Hi, this is Bubby, and it's time for What's on Tap. What's on tap brought to you by title sponsor, Residential Bank Corp, whether purchasing a new home or refinancing the home you already own. Residential Bank Corp is the company to turn to for all your home financing needs. Residential Bank Corp, funding America one neighborhood at a time. Call 702-964-5720 for details and to get information on all the home financing options available in Nevada. On tap, the Vegas Golden Knights lost in OT to Connor McDavid and the Edmonton Oilers last night and have now dropped three of their last four. Speaking of losing, after yesterday's visit to Hawaii, the UNLV football Rebels have now lost seven in a row. It's the opposite for the running Rebels, who have won their first four games, including a win over a ranked team last week, and the Raiders are looking to end their three-game losing streak in Denver. Uh, It's week 11 in the NFL. We'll talk about the best games of the day. We'll hear from Marcus Mariota. How about about Marcus Arroyo? Uh, Kevin Kruger, Josh McDaniels, Indianapolis Colts owner Jim Irsay, and Coach Jeff Saturday, and an epic rant from ESPN, Stephen A. Smith. You will not want to miss that. Uh, And finally, don't place your football bets until after you've heard today's pick and parlay from the scooper. That'll be coming up towards the end of the show. That's what's on tap. If you are looking to buy a home or to refinance the home you currently own, choose a company you can trust, Residential Bank Corp, Funding America, one neighborhood at a time. Call 702-964-5720 for details on all of your home financing options. Spence, I know you're working over there on the board pretty hard, but are you ready? Are you getting ready for uh, Thanksgiving with the family out in Pahrump? Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving is always my favorite holiday with the family, so uh, always thankful. Good food, but mostly just get to spend time. We're all so busy. We barely get to see each other, even if we live in the same house. So I'm looking forward to it very much. That seems life for everyone. I think that Thanksgiving and the Christmas holidays are the, are, are, are the best of the year for that reason. I think family-wise, um, everyone finds an excuse or a reason to get together around Thanksgiving. It's what I miss the most. A lot of the times I'm taking trips home, uh, thinking heavily of my dad, who is not doing great in Detroit right now, and um, wish I could be there for Thanksgiving. I'll be here with my kids, but I'm um, looking forward to it, man. Always look forward to Thanksgiving. And uh, who knows, could Detroit be going for four wins in a row on Thanksgiving Day against the Buffalo Bills, who ironically are playing in Detroit today and then again on Thursday. But um, 
We'll talk about that in a little while. I'm wearing my Detroit versus everybody shirt if you're not watching the show. And uh, Chris back in studio, chime in in a minute. I I definitely want to know how his uh, Thanksgiving is plans. I know his wife was gone for a couple weeks, so he has got to be excited. And what's it like for Naoko to uh, to be able to uh, you know celebrate? Is this Chris? Is this her first or second Thanksgiving in uh, in in the U.S.? No, this is her uh, her. Well, she went to college at the University of Oregon, so oh, she's been right. here. For, for Thanksgiving, but this will be our second uh, together here in the States. Uh, yeah, Junko is, she'll be here two years in March. So, uh, yeah, her, her second yeah, Thanksgiving, just, it does it fly like by. Yesterday, it, dude, it seems like yesterday you were telling me, I can't believe it, my wife's finally going to be here. And it's been two years already. It's already it's already yesterday's newspaper. Yeah, yeah. Uh, unbelievable. Spence, go ahead and hit it, man. Let's get to nightcap. Hockey players, as you know, are warriors. They don't give up. They come to play every game. It's time for Nightcap, a cup full of the Vegas Golden Knights. From highlights to interviews to special events, the puck starts here. Uh, the puck's been been going pretty well for the Vegas Golden Knights this season. Third best record in the National Hockey League, best record in the Western Conference. Um, you know, they've played really well. I don't think the last four games or the last three of the last four are indicative of the way they played this season. As a matter of fact, all those games have been good on the road in Edmonton. You can't be really upset about losing in OT to the best player in the National Hockey League, and that's the guy who puts the puck in the net. 16th goal of the season, NHL leading 16th goal of the season. Connor McDavid is unbelievable. We happened to get the guy who was drafted right after him, Jack Eichel, and he's no slouch himself, and it seems like every every game now Eichel is – is either lighting the lamp or at least getting on the points board. Another assist in yesterday's game. Really nice to see Mark Stone get two goals yesterday in a losing effort. Don't want to hang this one at all on Aiden Hill. Uh, his second loss of the season, although got him to OT before he, they took the loss. Um, you know what? The Golden Knights are playing well. Chris, you said last week, and it's funny you alluded to, you said, you know, sooner or later, you know, you got to experience little little losing streaks. You, it's just an impossibility to get through an 82-game regular season without having highs and lows. And this maybe is a little bit of a mini low, but even in this low, they're not playing that badly. They they pretty much get leads in almost every game that they haven't won. And four losses and one, you know, one overtime loss, not too, not, you know, not too shabby. Yeah. I mean, look, you, 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 you come home after a five game road trip where you sweep all five games, you get the maximum amount of points on that road trip. Uh, you know, there, there was always going to be a letdown, I think, in, in that next game. And, you know, Mark Stone did a really good job of explaining, because I asked him after the game on, on Thursday, why is it so hard to maintain the momentum when you come home? And, and you know, his explanation was, look, you know, it's there, there's a time change involved. You know, you, you, you're starting a game at 7, uh, but it seems like it's 10 on your body because you've been back east for so long. So, so you're, you know, you're, you're, your body is thrown off a little bit. There's the uh, adjustments of, of, you know, sleeping back in your own bed again. And, and you know, look, you, you, they ended that road trip on such an emotional high with Jack Eichel going into Buffalo, scoring a hat trick uh, to beat the Sabres in a game they put up a ton of goals. Um, you know, so I think the St. Louis game was to be expected. I mean, they didn't even play bad in that game. There were moments where they weren't good. But I think overall they, they played a pretty good game. Uh, the the San Jose game I think was a little concerning to me because they they really didn't 
push San Jose. They allowed the Sharks to kind of control the game and and play the way that San Jose wanted to play. Um, look, the Coyotes game, they, they they played good enough, you know, but they, it took them 30 minutes to score against the Coyotes team that really isn't all that good. Um, although they are better than I think a lot of people anticipated. Last night, look, they 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 didn't play bad either. Um, you know, it sucks that they that they didn't win the game in overtime, but Brian, I mean, they still got a point in Edmonton against a division rival. Um, so they only they, they they only lost a point. You know, had they lost in regulation, it's obviously a lot worse. But um what what one of the things that I that I noticed though, and and I don't I, unfortunately we didn't get to hear an explanation. Jack Eichel didn't play in overtime last night for the Golden Knights. Like, why was Jack Eichel not on the ice to start the overtime for for Vegas? Was there something that happened? And well, the, the you, goal the goal wasn't that far into overtime. No, no, no. So. But 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 Brian, I mean, I think I. It's funny. I I said to my wife, I said, "Oh, Edmonton's going to play twenty five, ninety seven, and twenty nine. That'll be their first three guys." I said, "Vegas will come out with with seventy one nine and." And probably uh, twenty-seven or seven. I was a bit surprised to see Riley Smith and William Carlson both start in overtime. When I would have thought you you may have gone with Jack Eichel and and maybe Chandler Stevenson or Jack Eichel and and William Carlson or Jack Eichel and Riley Smith. Even Jack Eichel and Mark Stone. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I I I don't I don't know what what happened and why Eichel. Look, I mean, it was only about a minute in the overtime. I get it, but. I think you want your best player on the ice against their best player to start the overtime, and I don't know what what happened. I will say this: the the goal that Connor McDavid scored, uh, nobody, no no goalie on the planet is stopping that because it's just sick. It's a it's a cheat code when that guy when that guy gets that much space, and it's it's nothing that the Golden Knights didn't do. It's just that Jack that that, that Connor McDavid is so good at creating space and in that huge swath of open ice in in overtime where there's only uh three on three on the ice it, it's it's inevitable it seems like anytime he gets in the open space he's gonna he's gonna either have an opportunity to score or he's gonna score um so you know it's not it's not concerning what what will be concerning is how they come home and handle these next um three games at home. Uh, three and four nights, I should say, at home because you, you got the game in Vancouver tomorrow. And look, Vancouver is a team that the Golden Knights traditionally have played very well against. Yep. Um, although Thatcher Demko is, is, I think one of the one of maybe. I mean, we talk about him a lot here because it's in the Pacific Division, but I think he doesn't get the credit he deserves across the league. Maybe because he is in Vancouver and faraway places for those in Toronto and, and those in the East Coast, but. Look, this is a this is a big game for the Golden Knights because if they can win this one, look, you're you're like, hey, you know what? We came home with three more points on on this road trip, three out of a possible four. But then you've got the three games coming up this week at home at the Fortress, and those are big games, Brian, because you're you're heading back to the Eastern Time Zone after these three games. And I think if you're the Golden Knights, you want to end this homestand, or you want this homestand to go. You want obviously want six points, but you want it to go as well as possible heading into. Another East Coast swing. Oh, I agree 100. percent I think I think 
I think tonight's game is, or excuse me, tomorrow's game is crucial in the respect that it's it's on the road against a team, as you said, Chris, you traditionally beat. You've lost three of four, granted the last one in OT to a shot that, um, you know, maybe if God was in that, he could have stopped Connor McDavid only because he has the power to do that. I mean, otherwise, as you said, there's not a player in NHL history, a goalie in NHL history that's stopping that when you give that guy that much space. He doesn't need any space. Matter of fact, you can have two guys on Connor McDavid and he can still still score and make you look silly, let alone when you're giving this guy time and space. He is going to put the puck in the net 99 times out of 99 times. I mean, that's that's how good he is. And, uh, you know, and, and it was good to see, as I mentioned a little bit earlier, Chris, it was good to see Mark Stone lighting the lamp twice on the penalty shot, especially. And he comes down the full length of the ice and really made a beautiful shot. And what we're seeing now with the Golden Knights, and granted, yes, they've lost three of four. I think we're going to see them recover real quickly. This is a very good team. Team, and provided they don't get plagued with the injuries bug that they did last year, this is a team that not only should make the playoffs this year, they, they should be a team that should be considered to be able to make a run for a championship. And what you always say, one of the oldest adages in sports is the cream rises, eventually rises to the top. We're seeing that with the Golden Knights players. You know, Jack Eichel on top, and I think that's going to be the case all year. 10 goals, 12 assists now, 22 points. He got his 12th assist last night. Um, Chandler Stevenson just picking up where he left off last year. We saw Chandler Stevenson really come into his own last year as an NHL hockey player, a guy now that that is looked to to score goals, to put points on, to make the passes, to win draws. This is what Chandler Stevenson now is expected to do in the National Hockey League for the Vegas Golden Knights, and he's doing it 18 points, second on the team, six goals, 12 assists. Alex Petrangelo, we knew what we were getting with him a couple of years ago as a defenseman, one of the best two-way players in the National Hockey League, man. He can shut down just about anyone when he's on his game, and he has as lightning of a slap shot as any in the game. Uh, two goals so far for him, but 15 assists. He is always around the puck and somebody that's always on the ice in crucial times. And now Mark Stone, seeing him rise up now. Um, he's played in every game, which is a great thing to see. He's got 15 points, seven goals, two last night, as we mentioned, and eight assists now. And uh, and of course, Shea Theater, you know, two of your defensemen in your top five scores on your team is going to bode well for any team in the National Hockey League. We know what we have in Shea Theodore. Again, four 14 points for him, three goals, 11 assists, and another guy that could put the puck in the net at any time. And then, of course, right behind them, all three of the production line, Riley Smith, Jonathan Marchessault, and William Carlson, all with 14 points right now for this team. Uh, Marchie's got the, or I should say Riley Smith has the most goals out of the three of them with nine. Marchessault has seven, and William Carlson has four. But it is, I, I think I speak for every Golden Knights fan out there right now when I say it is really nice to see the production line, not only back in tech, Bruce Cassidy reinstalling that line, but seeing that line produce the way we did in year one. It's really cool. I think we're all happy about that. And I think the three of them are thrilled to be playing together again. I mean, that is right now, as long as the three of them are on this team, you know, that is one of the most iconic lines in NHL history, simply because the 2017 was one of the most iconic seasons for any French uh, expansion franchise. It was in NHL history. So pretty damn cool to see those three guys playing together again, playing well. And again, one of the production line, a feared line in the national hockey league. And I like seeing that really well. Golden Knights moving ahead. As we said, uh, three games and four nights coming, you know, at home, it's going to be a little bit of a tough run for the Golden Knights, but they're ready for it. They're back. They got back acclimated to the Western time zone. 
uh, they're they're ready for this little stretch coming up. And I think this little three uh, out of four game um, losing situation will change in a big time hurry in the really near future as uh, as the season moves on. And look forward to this team doing well all the way down the road. I, I'm still very impressed with both the, pl- the play of both goaltenders. Logan Thompson and Aiden Hill have exceeded my expectations. And I think if most of you out there don't say that they've exceeded your expectations, you're probably not being honest with yourself when you talk to because we all have talked about this. Yes, we think Logan Thompson, Chris has talked about it a number of times. It is a great story, his journey to the National Hockey League. Really cool. But his play has been cooler. 20 games last season, no postseason experience yet. And he's going to get some this year, that's for sure, provided he stays healthy. And Aiden Hill, uh, kind of an afterthought, we were talking about all the goaltenders available to bring and strengthen that position on the Vegas Golden Knights before the season. Aiden Hill was kind of the last on the list. Chris even admitted when I brought him up, he poo-pooed him for a minute. And Aiden Hill has come in here and played like he wants the job and he wants to be on an NHL bench. And I'll tell you what, with Lauren Brossois now back and healthy. We see where he's at. He's in Henderson because that's how good Aiden Hill and, um, you know, and Logan Thompson have been playing this year, and I hope that just continues. Listen, we're going to move on. We're going to jump right into uh, the next segment, which I've kind of been looking forward to talking about. So go ahead, Spencer, hit it. Facts this. If you don't like the facts, take your ass back to bed. Fact this. Fact. The UNLV Rebel football team has not won a game since September. On a six-game losing streak, and with only one game remaining, are now officially bowl ineligible. Congratulations to my former co-host and color commentator for UNLV football, Caleb Herring. Pop the champagne, brother. They're not going to a bowl game this year. I say that somewhat facetiously, and I'm not happy about that. As, As happy as I am for Caleb being able to retain that honor, I'm not happy about it. I think all of us were looking forward to after a 4-1 start. But this, I should say, after starting the season 4-1, and as I mentioned, which is something head coach Marcus Arroyo reminded us of after last week's loss to Fresno State. Really important, playing, playing at the end of the season when, when things matter. Um, you know, that's the stick that everybody wants to write. Everyone's got it in the pencil right now, ready to press play. I know it goes. You know, the slide, the five-game slides. We started four and one, too. Keep that eye. Remember that, okay? Uh, these guys are going to finish. They like to fight. This is going to be a good finish. I'm excited about coaching these guys. Uh, I'm not worried about anything else but this next game. Well, he didn't worry about anything else but the next game. The next game came and went in Hawaii yesterday. And, um, you know, five-point loss. But I'm sorry, man. That is is completely unacceptable the game was unacceptable uh the outcome was unacceptable and what i really liked after the game i don't know you know chris i don't i I didn't hear your name mentioned so i don't think you were involved in the broadcast yesterday uh on the local front but you know something i listened to caleb and i was really impressed that he wasn't pulling any punches you could tell he was appalled he was upset and he even said a couple of times you know there's no more excuses you can't make any i'm sorry but you started four and one marcus and you made sure to to accentuate that in the last press conference that we all had to hear it. Remember, we were four and one. Don't forget it. You just heard it on the radio. Okay. It's not that I dislike the guy at all. I don't. I actually was liking what he was doing. I saw an improved football team earlier in the year. Yeah, they haven't been the same since Doug Brunfield went down. But you know what, Mags? You know when they haven't been the same from? And and even though Brunfield was not a part of it, they have not been the same since the beating, the ass-whooping they took in San Jose at San Jose State. They have not recovered from that ass-whooping. And what happened, and I said it that game, 
They were exposed in the respect that they do not like physical play. Now, it's a football team. What do you say to that? Probably all of them would get in here and argue, and I'd be scared to say it in front of them. But the truth is they were manhandled by San Jose State. They were beaten up and down. Every tackle was accentuated with an elbow before the person got up. An extra hit. They, they were, they, you could tell that they were told to put an extra helmet on every guy that you can. Make sure you throw an extra arm in there. Make sure they feel you every single hit, and they did. And UNLV has not recovered from that. Granted, they've been in some close games since then. But I am sorry, Hawaii is a bad football team this year. Not okay, not marginal, they're bad. It's that simple. So what does that say about the University of Nevada, Las Vegas's rebel football team? If I'm saying Hawaii's a bad team and UNLV went to Hawaii after losing five, talk about, mo- or excuse me, losing six, talk about motivation. How could you be much more motivated than that? knowing you've lost five games and you have to win your last two games to get to a bowl game, and you are playing probably the bottom feeder of the Mountain West Conference in Hawaii. Granted, it's on the road. Granted, there's a little bit of a time difference. I'm sorry, I'm not using those as excuses. Chris, this is a game they should have won, period. Yeah, there, there really are no excuses for, for this one. You could You could say... You know, I mean, look, you you and I have done the pregame pretty much every home game this season, and I try to paint the positive picture as much as I can within reason. And look, this is a bad loss. They 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 underperformed in the first half in a game that they knew coming in that they needed to win. Um, you know, the, you you have the 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 first drive of the game, I believe it was. You 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 have a mistake that cost you a possibility of a touchdown. You end up settling for three. Daniel Gutierrez misses his first field goal of the year. You have a penalty that negates a touchdown. You have a penalty that basically gives Hawaii another touchdown. I mean, this is bad, Brian. And and look, I mean, sometimes you have to point fingers, and this falls on coaching. And and I'm sorry. I mean, I I like Marcus Arroyo, and I like the fact that this team has won. You know, they 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 at one point were four and one. There, there, there's a way to look at this. If you lose the first four of your first five games and you get to this point where you are now four and seven going into the last game, you say, you know what? The team grew. The team learned. The team got better as the season progressed. When you're four and one and you play in the Mountain West, it's expected that you will find two more wins. Because there are enough bad teams on your schedule where you should be able to get two more wins. They got their ass kicked, as you said, in San Jose. They got their ass kicked by Air Force. I, I, I mean, look, it's 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 frustrating. I'm a, I'm I'm an alum. I'm part of the broadcast. It's it's so frustrating, and there's really not a lot of positives to paint about the last six seven weeks. There's just nothing where you could point to and say, you know what, the team has grown. The team has gotten better. The reality is the team has gotten worse. The only thing I'll give after, after that four and one start. Look, no, 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 Brian. I mean, I mean, we can look and say that Doug Brumfield going down against San Jose State was was a big loss. And it was. This team has not been the same since then. But you know what? Cameron Friel, who played pretty well last season as a freshman, I don't know what changed. Because I don't know if it was the scheme, if it was the system. I don't know if it was him. But 
he wasn't the same guy he was last year. I don't no, know if it was a confidence thing. You know, you know, I mean, it, it, it's frustrating. Look, there was only one game on the schedule after that four and one start where you said, you know what, these guys, I could, I could see them getting crushed because they were riding high at four and one, and for them to be non-competitive against San Jose State, against Air Force, Notre Dame, you throw that out, but they they were inept offensively in San Diego. It took them a bit of time to get going against Fresno. They were uninspired is probably the word I would use to describe their, their first half last night against a 2-8 a, a and eight Hawaii team. Uninspired is, is probably the word to describe it. You have everything to play for. Not only that, but Hawaii is your rival. They're not the, the, in the same sense that Reno is your rival, but they're still your rival. You're playing for a trophy. And to have an uninspired first half with a bowl game on the line, your season on the line, it's. I am. I am disappointed. I'm frustrated. I. I donate money to the school. I'm an alum. I want this team to to make a bowl game, as much as anybody. Probably even more than most people because it means something to me as as a fan and as an alum. But at some point. This team just has to, and this school has to find a way to stop doing this year in, year out. I'll, I'll say this. At least it wasn't as bad as, and I'm not trying to sugarcoat it because it still sucks. But do you remember a couple of years ago, they were five and six going into the Reno game and they lost to Reno? At least it wasn't rip your heart out losing to that school up north to cost you a bowl game. And to make you non bowl eligible, I mean that was a yeah. That, that 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 that's that's a kick in the you know what. Yeah. This is bad, but well, it's bad because you because know, Chris, you were four and one. Yes, and because you know again, like I said, Marcus Arroyo. Those are the risks you take when you get upset with the media for asking proper questions, and you say, "Remember, we were four and one. We all clearly remember it. That's why the expectations are higher, my friend, because you were four and one." So you created expectations and the expectations were completely destroyed over the next six games. And like I said, the remedy to beat this team, San Jose showed it out physical them. They have been out physical in the majority of those losses that they've lost. San Diego state was a close game. San Diego state is completely challenged offensively. That's their problem. If they weren't, they would be a more competitive football team this year. They can play defense, and they showed that against UNLV, and they found a way to win a close game against the Rebels. That was one the Rebels let get away. Fresno State, I think there were some coaching blunders in that game, and Hawaii there's no excuse for. But like you said, to not be able to find two wins out of your last seven games after going 4-1, it, it's upsetting. Well, it's here, here, here's a perfect example, Brian. We all watched UNLV beat the snot out of Utah State. Utah State was 1-4. They lost Logan Bonner. Guess who's bowl eligible with their win over San Jose State last night? Utah State. Utah State, isn't that, isn't that, isn't that something? It's and, sickening. Know, it is. And, 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 and again, it's not a knock like, on Utah State. Look, I'm, I'm happy for those guys. It's, it's, it's sickening as a UNLV fan and alum that – a team that you beat up in their home stadium was one and four, and now they're going to a bowl game, and you're not. I agree. 
I agree. You know, bright spots for UNLV. You know what? Daniel Gutierrez has been the most consistent player on this team all season long, maybe for the past couple of seasons. Four or five in field goals yesterday. Again, uh, almost Marcus Royal opts for a field goal late to make it a one-score game. Like, that's going to a token of appreciation for UNLV fans, which it was not, by the way. Uh, and, you know, the other thing is, uh, you know, you saw Kyle Williams not dropping passes and got over 100 yards receiving. Other than that, I've got nothing good to say. Uh, the weather was even crappy from what I heard. I, I heard the game. I didn't see it. It's not like it was raining buckets in Hawaii. But you know what? I'll take raining buckets and being in Hawaii any day of the week. Well, here's the deal. UNLV better be raining something uh, next week at Allegiant Stadium. Three o'clock is kickoff against uh, cross-state rival. The team from up north, as Chris would say. Uh, will this salvage the season? I know that Marcus Arroyo will say that it will, but to an alumni, Spencer, I'll bring you in real quick on this, and we got to move on, but I want to ask you, to an alumni, I already know Chris's opinion because he just gave it. Is it, will it be acceptable to you, will the season, five wins at the beginning of the season, if I would have said five wins, one of those wins being over Nevada Reno, would you, you might have been okay with it, but after a 4-1 and one start, they win that game and they end up, uh, they end up uh, under 500, but five wins. Are you okay with that season? I have to be. What What has been different since I've been at UNLV? Go back to way before I was even touched ground at UNLV, before I was even born, let's say. This team hasn't done anything in that long. I know Caleb took them to a bowl game, but you want to go back to the last time they won a bowl game? I was like negative 15 years old. So <laughs> there are no expectations. I can't be disappointed for a team that's done nothing my entire life. I feel the you same, sound like a Lions fan. I feel like the same way about the Raiders. How can I be disappointed about this season with the Raiders when they've been this bad or worse my entire life? That's just how I feel. And, you know, yeah, that's just how I feel about it. Uh, well, I, I understand, Spencer. I, I, I still will say overall – Based on what I had seen the body work the last couple of years, this is an improved UNLV football team. A little bit disappointed since he went down with an injury. Doug Brunfield has not been the same player. Um, we've, we've, we've sang his praises on this show early in the season time and time again. I like him a great deal as a person. I think the size and stature is there. I think the arm strength is there. Definitely the escapability is there, but the ability to win at the collegiate level on a consistent basis. I can't say that's there right now. And um, it's definitely not by any means. Doug Brumfield needs to shoulder the loss. He had one touchdown, one interception yesterday, almost 300 yards passing. But, um, you know, you got to lead this team to a win over, over Hawaii and you got to put up more points than they did. And uh, you can't be settling for four field goals, five attempts. Field goals are not going to get it done. You hear every coach complain about that over time. It's just not going to happen. Listen, we're going to move on next week. Again, we'll talk a lot more about this season after the, after the case, and I'll get somebody else on to talk about it with us. But um, real quickly in college football yesterday, man, all four of the top four teams won, but they struggled. I mean, Georgia beat Kentucky by just 10 Ohio State won by 13 over Maryland, but that score was not as close as the game itself was. Um, Ohio State lucky to win that. And Michigan, man, they escaped. I mean, and this is a team, granted they're ranked third in the country, granted they're 11-0 this year, and granted it's the first time, in uh, the second time in the entire AP poll error that Michigan and Ohio State are getting ready to play each other where both of them are 10-0 or, 10 and 0 or better. Um, 
So it's a huge matchup, but Michigan is depleted. They're missing some of their top players. I don't know how healthy they'll be. And yesterday in the second quarter, Blake Corum went down. Blake Corum, people, in my opinion, is going to be the best running back to come out of this draft. Remember I said that. I don't think it's a huge stretch, but there are some good backs in this draft. Blake Corum reminds me of a as a poor man's Barry Sanders right now, and I can't believe I'm saying it. This guy has incredible stopping and starting ability. He is ridiculously low to the ground and difficult to tackle. He He's just elusive, and he's strong. And Michigan desperately needs him because their passing game is the is a glaring weakness. And we saw it with J.J. McCarthy yesterday. The passing game is a glaring weakness for the University of Michigan. And if they don't have Blake Corm running the ball, I love the guy's name, Isaiah Gash. But Isaiah Gash isn't going to be enough against the Buckeyes at the Horseshoe in, in Columbus, Ohio next weekend. They will lose if they do not have Blake Corum back on the field. So everyone holding their collective breath in Ann Arbor and all over the state of Michigan right now, Michigan fans all over the world, as a matter of fact, will Blake Corum be healthy enough and ready to play in that game against Ohio State uh, next Saturday? What a game we're all looking forward to. But I just hope Michigan can get the, their good players, their best players on the field so it's a fair matchup, especially on the road. I don't see Michigan winning that game, but I'll be pulling for him. We'll see what happens. Also, as you, if you if you weren't watching yesterday, and the other big games, uh, TCU, same way as Michigan, pulled it out and um, uh, barely uh, got to. You got that on tape. Yeah, go ahead, Spencer. You can play. You can run those. Uh, the 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 final field goals by Michigan, uh, by by Moody in Michigan, who's the most successful kick, kicker in Michigan history, and TCU man barely got the job done, literally running on the field at the end of the game to get the the win and stay undefeated. Hustle here, a run, and now it's a total scramble. Emergency mode for the unbeaten Horn Frogs. Hypnotoad in a hurry. Griffin Kell for the win. TCU is undefeated still. It's a monster win over Baylor. Monster kick. And if you saw, he ran on the field, got the kickoff, three seconds to spare. No timeouts. I mean, they had to run the ball in the middle field. It was just a great all-around uh, ending to the game. I happened to turn it on and catch it. TCU, a tough out. They're not winning a national title. But uh, they look like they are probably going to play in the college football playoffs this year. I'm guessing it's going to be just going out on a limb. I'm going to say it's going to be Georgia. It's going to be Ohio State. It's going to be a TCU. And somebody like a USC or a Clemson is going to sneak up and take that last spot. USC, a huge win over UCLA yesterday in a big game that are fun game to watch. And USC, uh, I don't think anybody beats Georgia this year. I think Georgia, once again, is the best team in the country. We'll talk about that later on, but I just don't see the Georgia Bulldogs going down. They've got a senior-laden quarterback, and this guy uh, just gets the job done. So let's move on real quick, and let's get over to UNLV basketball. Wanted to talk about this. Uh, you know, guys, um, they're 4-0. And, uh, you know, nobody wants to give them credit for beating Southern University, beating Incarnate Word, um, beating High Point uh, Saturday Friday night. But you got to give them, give them credit for beating Dayton. Some polls, they were as low as 24, but they were as high as 21 in the country. Uh, Dayton is one of the biggest teams in Division One basketball. And UNLV beat them after being down 10 at halftime. But one take on this game that nobody said and nobody. And, man, I hate being a naysayer. But I've got to say this to you. And Spencer, I'll ask you first, and Chris, you can chime in real quick. And we got to keep it on track. So let's keep our, our uh, comments short on this. But um, time zone. Guys, the Eastern time zone is three hours later than it is here. 
Now, I know there's no curfews in college except on the road. You know, you don't have curfews. NFL players, I don't think, do either other than on game nights. But um, you got to travel to the West Coast. You play just like a day before on the East Coast. You got a very smart scheduling by UNLV if you're going to schedule a date and make them come play at 8 o'clock. That is 11 o'clock in the evening. Now, I asked a few of my friends that have played college athletics about what time they got to bed in season. They all said, you know, being honest about 10 o'clock, you know, they want the coaches want you in bed by like nine, but like 10, sometimes even 11, you get, get to bed that late if you can't sleep at night. So let's say it's 11. That's when the game started, guys, when they go to bed, when they go to sleep. Halftime, they were winning by 12 points, right? So you're up by 12 at halftime. It's already at 12 if you look at that at halftime. It's already 12.30 at night and back at home. You've been asleep for an hour and a half. Now you go to the second half, and they get beat in the second half. Now, granted, I don't care. Uh, you know, it's a, it's a big win over a top 25 team, no matter what time or when they play. And I'm not trying to take it away from UNLV. I'm just saying, is it as big and as good of a win as we are all making it out to be? Taking that into consideration, man, you get tired. It's a factor. I'm not going to say it's the reason they won the game. I'm sure at halftime they were getting a little tired, but there's always adrenaline in basketball games. And I can't say that I've played collegiate basketball, but I remember when I used to play in high school, when you play those really late games, I, I think just the energy around it kind of kept you going. But I'm, I'm sure the guys were. And I mean, it is a great scheduling kind of advantage for UNLV for Spencer, that game. Spencer, you overlooked them, first of all. UNLV, if you watch the first two wins against Southern and Incarnate Word, I don't care that they were wins. UNLV looked like garbage in the respect. They played okay defensively. They showed they couldn't guard real well on the perimeter. They're getting better at that. I saw that they against are. High Point. They're, they're, they're coming out more. They're not collapsing down low and double teaming as much so you like to see that but still if you steal those first two games and you're dating you come in you're licking your chops like i don't care if it's three in the morning we'll be fine and then you're up by 12 at halftime and you start like maybe mentally you start wandering a little bit it's late man and and, and again i don't want to make an excuse i guess i am but unlv won the game it's a big win take nothing away from them it's a it, it was a monster win in a great second half but again there is chris there is something to a three-hour difference when you start a game at 8 o'clock at night. There's no question you have to give an advantage, home and time zone advantage, to the running Rebels. Right? Listen, uh, you, you sound like one of these bozos on, on CBS or, or ESPN trying to discount a non-major program with a big win. I mean, who cares what time the game started, Brian? It, it makes no difference. These are college kids. These guys are up late on on, on non-game days, you know, I, I, I'm I not buying that. It's a good win for UNLV, and it almost sounds like you're trying to discount it a little bit. And and I, I just don't agree with that. I mean, look, Dayton's a good program. They've been a good program for a long time. Uh, started with Archie Miller when he was there. Uh, going back even even long time ago, before you and I were born, the Flyers were, were a pretty legitimate college basketball program. So... Um, look, this is They're this a really good program right now. They just had a great wins and they have a player who's yeah, playing in the NBA. Yeah, it's really good. I mean, a guy who was so, a collegiate player of the no, year. I, so, I, Chris, I'm just saying it's something that had not been brought up at all. There's a no, lot it, it, it shouldn't on. be brought up. It's a non it's a non point. Well, I mean, it's 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 okay, a, that's what I was looking for to see, because it, to me, it is something that it is a factor. But in the same respect, I'm not making it a huge factor. I agree. They're younger kids. You have adrenaline. I like what Spencer said as well. But you definitely saw. 
a team in the second half that did not seem to have the same energy. Well, yeah, because because half. UNLV defensively frustrated them. I mean, that's that's, that's 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 a that's the factor. And it's it's you know a team that that I mean, look, we 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 can look and say High Point is not you know Dayton by any stretch, but. This was a team that had had scored over 100 points in two of their first three games. Granted, they played you and I and a couple guys from from Sunset Park in their first few games, but they they scored over 100 points in two of them, and they scored 91 in in their their other one. So defense is important, especially at this level, because guys get frustrated when they when they're when they're when they're when they're unable to do what what they anticipate and things that they've done. You know, pretty easily against other programs, and you when you lock down defensively like UNLV has done to these first few teams that they've played, it gets frustrating, and it's easy to wander. Look, we've all played sports, maybe not at that level, but when you're getting your butt kicked, you 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 lose focus because you maybe get frustrated. You're like, what? Why is why is what we're doing not working? The time zone thing is is a non-factor to me. Like I said, you sound like one of these guys on CBS trying to discount why, not, why hey, you know, dis- you, you, you're you going to be Gary Daniels trying to, you know, tell the committee why Alabama belongs in over yeah, TCU. Not, you know, I mean, that's what it sounds like. <laughs> not not going to happen. Like I said, I'm, I am, and you know, last week I was, it was frustrating for me because I really like Kevin Kruger. So by no means, I just, the point is you've got to bring up food for thought because that has been brought up. And if I'm a Dayton head coach right now, I'm not saying that publicly, but behind the scenes, I'm saying, you know what? I'm not scheduling any West coast games at eight o'clock anymore. That's what I, I mean, that's what I'm thinking. It just, my team's better than that. But again, no, no discredit. They are four. No, they're heading out to the road for the first time. Um, they're, uh, they're next, next for them. They hit the road and they'll, um, again, they'll be in San, I think it's San Juan, uh, Capistrano, Capistrano, right? yeah, California, yeah, and they're playing. Uh, they're beautiful, playing- beautiful yeah. area. Southern Illinois, they'll be taking on them tomorrow. It's actually a day game at, um, in the afternoon or, or early tomorrow, if I'm not mistaken. And then uh, they also have um, uh, Cal Baptist and Minnesota is going to be there. Uh, the winners play the winners and the losers play the losers on Wednesday night. So UNLV will either be playing Minnesota or Cal Baptist on Wednesday night, depending on how they do. But I think uh, the, the, the game against Southern Illinois, that's a winnable game. And then they can get another great challenge because it'll probably be Illinois in that championship game and another big challenge and not at home for UNLV. I'd love to see how they handled that one. But you know what? I I like the fact that they're 4-0. I still am very concerned at the four general role. I know that that um that that Kevin is very, very high on Keyshawn Gilbert. I'm not quite as high on Keyshawn Gilbert as he is, but I know he's really high. But anyways, after the game, uh, Kevin Kruger addressed everyone about UNLV and uh and 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 how he felt about the team. High Point was an incredibly dangerous team, and uh, you know I thought we we did a really good job through stretches of uh, of kind of knowing that and, and kind of paying attention to what was going on, especially obviously to finish you know that last eight or so minutes of the game. Um, but you know uh, that's the best lesson we could possibly learn is just the examples and the lessons that we're going to take from tonight, where when you you take a player or two and just kind of go do your own thing, uh, they made us pay. You know we had we had. Nine point, we gave up nine points on three different threes, doing things that were just very uncharacteristic of us, just to kind of leaving a shooter to, to gamble and, and take a risk, and, and they made us pay all three times. And, uh, and that was our biggest talking point at halftime, was just to just do what we've been doing. You know, just stay solid, trust it, trust each other, and 
I mean, they went on a, a good little run in the second half, but uh, to finish the game, the guys, they, they banded together pretty good and uh, just did what they needed to do to get good shots and uh, get stops and rebounds. Yeah, they did. And, and you know, it, it was it was an entertaining game, and I liked what I saw UNLV doing. Like I said, I thought they guarded on the perimeter better. A lot of teams are look were probably saw those first two games because High Point took a lot of three point shots. Although they live that team lives and dies in the perimeter, but um, it was an interesting game. And after the game, also the, a couple of the players that were in uh, they came in the press room afterwards. Luis Rodriguez um, was was in the press room after the game, and I asked the guys about. Um, you know, the slow start, because in every game so far, they've been slow, slow. They, they were down three points to high point at halftime, but they came back and won the game. And, you know, starting slow eventually is going to get you into some problems. And I asked him about it after the game. A little bit the tale of two halves in the last couple of games. You started slow, but then in the second half, both the last two games, you really picked it up. Down the road, you probably don't want to keep starting slow because that's going to probably cause you some issues. What are you going to do or what are you talking about to start quicker? Um, just being locked in, I think, you know, just, it's basketball. We're not going to always get off to the start we want, but we just got to find ways to, you know, make stuff happen and, you know, just make plays and just find ways to win, you know. At the end, it's all about, you know, who is locked in for that second half. And if we can lock in and do what we got to do and come out victorious, then it really doesn't matter. But, you know, just locking in. Well, they, they definitely do need to lock in and get a little bit better. And um, I, had, I had a question for Kevin Kruger after the game, and this, well, this is how that went down. It's got to feel good to see all five starters end up in double digits and Jackie off the bench as well. It seemed like in the second half of the Dayton game, they picked it up and started scoring more. That did carry over throughout the game here where you're getting an even, kind of an even keel scoring from everyone. How important is that to you? But it's huge. I mean, it's, you know, to have six guys in double figures is, uh, it's really dangerous. And, uh, and uh, you know, to have, to have that many threats and have that many guys that can, uh, that can score, it's going to make us that more, more dangerous. And, uh, you know, in the first half, we've just got to get a little more, mo a little more movement, a little probably deeper into the shot clock, uh, not take quick ones. Uh, because when we share it, when we, when we get the ball around and, and, and get a lot of touches, you know, there's a lot of guys that can go score it. You know, Jackie with none at halftime, you know, over two from the field. Uh, he came out and gave us a huge spark offensively. EJ kind of had a similar game to where he had last week, where he had a really good second half, not necessarily a, a stellar first half. But, uh, you know, if we can just kind of get that, that momentum going, that ball rolling a little earlier, I think that's going to be our challenge. You know, getting that ball rolling, getting getting a lot of guys good looks uh, throughout the first half. So, so we're not waiting for the second half. That was huge. Getting five, all five starters and double figures. Jackie, uh, Jackie Johnson off the bench with uh, the, the third off the bench with ten points as well. Huge for UNLV. I like seeing the scoring being kind of evenly distributed. But again, I still haven't seen a natural floor general that is going to lead this team from the point guard position uh, that that is capable of of doing that. Keyshawn Gilbert, maybe we'll see down the road. I'm not sure. Harkless, possibly, but um, you know that's. 
probably my biggest concern right now, but super happy for Kevin and really looking forward to this mini road trip to see what they can do. I think they beat Southern Illinois, and then I'm really looking forward to Wednesday seeing what they can do on the road against uh, a D1 um, Power 5 conference opponent in Illinois. That should be really interesting. Real quick, let's fly on to football, man, and get to the Bones and uh, the Raiders. And right away, I want to get off the uh, off the fence. You don't have to play the whole thing, but play a part of Jim Irsay. After the game, I had a chance. I was down in the catacombs of Allegiant Stadium and ran into Jim Irsay. A lot of the media was around him as to why he went and did what he did and hired a guy who has no football coaching experience whatsoever in Jeff Saturday. This, to me, is what a winning owner does and says. We just determined that the downside of not doing something now was greater than the upside of doing something now. Um, you know, again, you know, the last 11 games that, that we had, um, one in four, one four, one in the division, you know, down 13, nothing at halftime in all the divisional games, you know, struggling like we did and then coming out against Houston and having seven sacks. You know, it, it, it just, um, it was something where, you know, I was worried that it was going the other way too far and I've seen things go off the rail way, way worse, you know, so. And, uh, you know, and, and he made the move, and that was it. And I, and I got a chance after the game. It was really cool. I went into the press conference of Indianapolis and uh, got to ask Jeff Saturday, man, his first time ever. A guy's never coached in his life before. What that? What's his life, man? Walk into the locker room as a coach, kind of in a, in a whirlwind of a week. You know, so, uh, it would be the same as last week. You know, once we met, we assigned roles. There won't be any changes. You're still, we're still down. Okay, that wasn't it. I, sorry about that. Yeah, it was a question. I sent it to you. But but anyways, um, so uh, Jeff Saturday basically said, you know, he'd been living in a locker room his entire life. He That's what he does, and he loved it. And it, all it was for him was just big smiles walking in. He said the most challenging part was actually meeting with the coaches and the coaching staff. That was the part where it was unfamiliar to him, and he's never done it before. So really cool. It was great seeing him get an opportunity to do that. And, um, you know, and, and the thing is the Colts went into L, to Las Vegas – the Raiders desperately needed a win and they lose and the Colts went on the road with a guy who's never coached before. What does that have to say about Jeff Saturday, uh, about, uh, you know, the Colts and the decision-making and real quickly, I want to get to this. I didn't want to forget it. So we're low on time, but you got to hear this rant by Stephen A. Smith. Uh, this was about a quote that Mark Davis said, and uh, the quote from Mark Davis uh, basically um, was saying that, you know, he's, he, Rome wasn't built in the day that uh, he's going to get, he, that Josh Daniels, McDaniels has his support and, uh, you know, asking for patience. And this is what Stephen A. Smith had to say about that. I want to say this on national television to Mark Davis. That was one of the dumbest quotes I've ever seen an owner make. That was just stupid. You're not stupid. You're not dumb. But the quote you gave was one of the dumbest quotes I've ever seen from an owner. Your team was just in the playoffs last year. Versace went 7-5 and five in the 12 games he coached. They won the last four games during the regular season to get to the postseason. And it was a competitive playoff game against the Bengals, if I remember correctly. Yes, yes. The fact of the matter is, the last five weeks of the 2021 season, we saw a playoff team. We saw a playoff caliber quarterback who elevated himself to truth to be in the true face of that franchise because of the manner in which he led the team after all of that adversity from John Gruden 
to, to hug, you know, to, to hugs and all of these guys, and all of that stuff that happened. The fact of the matter is Derek Carr was the leader. You said that's not where we want to go. You went out and got Josh McDaniel, and suddenly y'all can't win close games. Y'all are two and seven. We're halfway through the season, and your season is over. The team doesn't even look like they want to be on the field. We now have no doubt half of them want to be in Vegas because most of them want to be in Vegas. We get that. They don't want to be on the football field, okay? And it's very glaring, very conspicuous, very evident. And so as a result, Keyshawn's not wrong about Josh McDaniel. Mina Collins is not wrong about Derek Carr and Josh McDaniels and what you're lacking. But it ultimately comes back to you, Mark Davis, because when you give an idiotic, unquestionably, an idiotic quote like that in Vegas, Sin City, where people go to make their dreams come true, even if it's just for one night or one week or one month, you're going to tell everybody Rome was not built in the day? That's got to be the dumbest quote that I've ever seen from an owner. It was stupid. And what you need to do is call the reporters back and retract that damn quote and make sure that you say something more sensible and accountable for the atrocity that you got going on. Because you got cats that don't want to be in a Raiders uniform. What happened to just win, baby? What happened to the silver and black? What happened to that pride? What happened to all of that? It's trash right now. And you're going to tell the people Rome wasn't built in a day? I mean, that's just pathetic. That's like the, I'm going to say it one last time. The dumbest quote I have seen in recent memory from an owner. Just dumb. And uh, you know what? I, normally, I have many times I disagree with Stephen A. Smith, but I love the rant. I mean, you know, Mark Davis is not a dumb man by any stretch of the imagination. And I know that he wants to win and he cares greatly for this Raiders team. But sorry, man, Rome wasn't built in a day. Like he said, you were a playoff team last year. You fired Rich Passaccia and brought in, strictly brought in Josh McDaniels to win, to get this team to the the next level, besides just getting to the playoffs. They've completely gone in reverse, and something's got to change. And I played Jim Mersey earlier for a reason. What are you waiting for? And I get it. I get it. I don't get it. I'll leave it at that. Listen, let's bring in the Scooper. We are really low on time. We got about a minute and a half to knock these picks off. Scooper, 0-2 last week. We're going to give you a pardon. Let's pick it up yeah. and give the, give the guys a winner this week. So go ahead. We got the pick and the parlay. Yeah, coming off a rough, rough week, but had a nice day yesterday. Today for the best bet, we're going to go to the uh, Dallas Cowboys, the team we'll be seeing here coming up on Thanksgiving. This is a statement spot today against a paper tiger in the Minnesota Vikings. A team who really hasn't played anyone, really luck-boxed their way into a win last week against Buffalo. And uh, for the parlay, we're going to bring it in with your boys, uh, the Detroit Lions. Got a little momentum with two wins in a row, going for number three today. And uh, I think it's a look-ahead spot for the Giants, who will be looking ahead to Dallas on Thursday, coming off of a couple uh, covers here in a row. Let's go with Dallas and Detroit. Okay, Dallas, well, you didn't give us the lines on those, so we have Dallas uh, is... Um... We got Dallas on the on the short money line at minus 125, and Detroit's going to be a plus three underdog. Plus three, and now, so the, the pick of the week is Dallas money line or Dallas in the points? Dallas on the short money line. They're a one-and-a-half point favorite. We'll call it minus 125 for graded purposes. 
And uh, on the parlay, we'll uh, out, combine. We got to run. We're out. We appreciate the scoop. We are out of time today, running really late. But I want to thank uh, the scooper. Thank Spencer. Thank Magnum. You got your picks of the week. You got your parlays. We're back next week. And uh, we'll see what the Raiders can do today. Bye-bye.